You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. We've been talking about grace wins, and you heard my brother two weeks ago give his testimony, and you heard me finish up the amazing testimony about how my 84-year-old mom, who those of you that have read my book know what a great lady she is, she came to Jesus (laughs) last week, which is miraculous. It's miraculous. It's miraculous. Grace does win. We're going to be looking at the book of John, chapter 5, right now. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I don't need notes for this. It's in here. It's written in my heart. But I'm going to pray before we get to that. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here today. It's no coincidence they're here. It's a God incidence. Thank you for those people that got saved last night. Oh. Father, that's what we're in the business of here. We're we're building your kingdom, as my son said, one soul at a time. We thank you for all the people that have come to Christ through your ministry. And Father, we pray if anyone came in here today not knowing Jesus, we pray more than anything else, before healing, before blessing, before anything, that they would leave knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But Father, if there are people here today who are sick in their body, who are in a financial struggle, who are depressed, oppressed, maybe even feeling suicidal, maybe lonely, maybe just feeling empty, maybe down. Holy Spirit, shed the love of God in their hearts today, we pray. Holy Spirit, let us become more aware of your presence. Blow into new hearts today, we pray. Speak through me to your people. Tell them exactly what they need to hear. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're looking at John chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. And there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. It's not Maryland, but it's a Hebrew word. (laughs) Having five porches. The first thing you notice here is that Jesus went to Jerusalem at a time of a feast. There were only three feasts where the Jews would actually go to Jerusalem. This is one of them. It doesn't say in Scripture which one of them it was. But we know this, that Jesus didn't stay home when people were going to the temple to be with God. And how does that apply to us today? On Sunday, we should be in church. Everybody say amen. Amen. Because you're here. You're following the steps of Jesus. I mean, how many times do we read that Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath? He taught. He was there. You know, half of the battle is just being there. Half of the battle is just being in church. I can tell you so many people that it's like, well, pastor, I didn't come to church last week because I didn't feel good. Well, if you don't feel good, come to church. There's healing in church. 
Pastor, I was depressed. I was lonely. There's people in church. I mean, they're a little crazy, but they're here. We all need people in our life. So he went when he was supposed to go. And it says, in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there was a pool. Now, this gate used to be called the sheep gate. And I've seen, we saw this gate when we were in Israel. You know what it's called now? It's called the lion's gate. You know why? Because Jesus came as a lamb. When he comes back, he's going to come as a lion. The lion of what? Judah. You know, Jesus came as a lamb. He came with grace. Next time he's coming, he's coming as a lion. Amen? Amen. And this place, this pool is called in Hebrew. How many of you here can speak Hebrew? Okay. Yeah, well, poquito. <laughs> That's Spanish. Okay. <laughs> Hebrew. You know, every once in a while I'll teach you a Hebrew word. But how many of you know what the word Beth means in Hebrew? Let me hear it again. House. house. Not casa. Beth <laughs> means house. So this word in Hebrew means house of, and then the second word is a Hebrew word, chesed. Now, the only way you can say this word right is if you spit. So don't look at the person next to you. Look straight ahead. Actually, move your head away from the person next to you. And everybody say this word with me, chesed, chesed. That's your Hebrew lesson for today. C-H-E-S-E-D is the actual spelling, but it's chesed. And that's the word you hear in the psalm when you hear his chesed endures forever. His chesed endures forever. His chesed endures forever. It's the word that sometimes is translated mercy, sometimes it's translated Loving kindness, sometimes it's translated grace. So for today, we'll call it grace, since we're in the house of grace. So here's Jesus being where he's supposed to be, and he's in a place called the house of grace. What better place to be when you need grace? Let's look at verse 3. And in this place, now there's, it was a pool, and it said it had five porches, okay? Five porches where all these sick people laid. And if you want to get into numerology and everything, does anybody know what they say the number five means in the Bible? Grace. Why? There's five ingredients to anointing oil. There's five offices in the church. David had five smooth stones, but one of them killed Goliath, who represents judgment. I'm not going to get into that, but you study it on your own. They say that the number five means grace. So here's the house of grace, has five porches, and in there lay a great multitude of sick people. So in this gathering, there was a multitude of sick people. You know, sometimes my wife will say to me that church is like a hospital where there's a lot of sick people or people that are a mess. How many of you sometimes feel like you're a mess? How many of you sometimes feel like you're a hot mess? No one has ever given me a good definition of what a hot mess is. When they're in my office, the, it's usually the ladies, one of them go, she's a hot mess. I'm thinking, does that mean she's really good looking but she's all messed up? I don't know what a hot mess is. 
I'm not really sure. I still don't know. You know, sometimes church is like a hospital. It could be an emergency room. Amen? The ushers open the door. There's an emergency coming in. Jesus is the doctor, not me. So there was a multitude of sick people. There was a multitude of hot messes in there. But he doesn't just say there was a multitude of sick people. He goes on to talk about different specifics. Thank you, honey. When, when, I, when I need a word, she finishes it for me. I got preachers up front here. They're all preachers. So you can never mess up. Like, it's like sp specifics. Thank you. <laughs> multitude of sick people. There were blind people. I mean, even though there are blind people in churches. Now, if you're raising your, right hand, your hand right now, when I raise my hand, you can actually see me. So you're not blind. But it can be that you're blind to the things of God. You know what Jesus said to Nicodemus? He said this. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, yesterday, when they were driving back from Washington in that bus, there were two people that never saw the kingdom of God. There were two people that had come into church and not see what God is doing. I remember going to church, coming in there, feeling like a blind person, because I don't know what's going on. I can't see what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. But after they were led to the Lord, they will go into church. They will see the kingdom of God. Amen. But it says that the enemy has blinded people to what God is doing. You know, sometimes you're trying to witness to your friends, or you're having arguments on social media with people, and you... Don't understand. They can't see what you can see. And if someone's blind, you cannot hit them in the eye. Now they can't. It's worse. The only one that can open their eyes is God through his grace. That's why grace has got to win people. It's not to get another gun or a bigger gun or to march more. When grace is what wins. In Romans 2, 4, it says it's the goodness of God that leads people to change. You want to change somebody, treat them good. So there was people that were blind, and there were people that were lame. Now, the word lame could mean anything. It's a general word. They were lame. Where were they lame? Were they lame in their arm, their leg? Were they lame in their back? Where were they lame? Well, there's many of people that are in God's house that are lame in something. Maybe they're insecure. There are people here today that are lonely. There are people here in here that are lonely. There are people in here that sometimes think that they don't want to live anymore. There are people in here that think their dreams will never come true. There are people in here holding on to unforgiveness. There are people here with regret. There are people here with woulda, coulda, shoulda. If only I had a. I just put an A at the end of any word. People that are lame. Finally, there are people that are paralyzed. What is the first word that comes to your mind when you think of people being paralyzed? And I'm not, there it is, who said it? Fear. Because fear will paralyze you. Do you ever get scared? Man, if I see a possum go by, I get paralyzed. We were driving down 130 the other day, and there was a little possum, baby possum, in the middle of 130 going like this. Ah! I was like, Alicia, look! I froze. Little creatures scare me. 
Or how many of you have people in your family that like to come around corners and scare you, paralyze you? My daughter, Nikki, my son, Joe, they love to do that. I'm like, you got to be careful with me, okay? I'm in my 50s now. You know, you turn a corner and they go, ah, and you go, ah. Do you know what I'm talking about? This paralyzes you. But fear will paralyze you. Fear of taking a step. There are so many people that are just paralyzed. You can't leave that job because you're scared. You can't leave that relationship because you're scared. Why would someone be in an abusive relationship and stay there? Because they're paralyzed. Or maybe God has called you to do something and you're so afraid to do it, you're just paralyzed. You can't move. You know, the first thought that comes into my mind is Israel. Israel was on top of one mountain. The Philistines were on top of another. The Philistines sent down Goliath every day. Said, somebody have a UFC throw down with me. And it says that Israel, God's chosen people, the army of the living God, was paralyzed for 40 days until grace came. Moving ahead. And they're waiting, these people, this multitude of different kinds of sickness, they were waiting for the moving of the water. Some people are lame, they're sick, they're blind, and they're waiting for something. I'm here to tell you, if you're waiting today, it's coming. For an angel went down at a certain time. There's a time for everything. <laughs> Remember that movie Footloose? You know, they said... You know, that the, the town had banned dancing. And they were like, in the word says, there's a time to dance. Amen? Come on. It's a time to dance. <laughs> At a, <laughs> that's as much as you're getting. At a, <laughs> there's a time for everything. And they said that when an angel at a certain time would come down and stir this water, that whoever got in the pool first, everybody say first. first. It's like when you say everybody in the pool, who gets in there first after this stirring was made well of whatever, everybody say whatever, whatever. disease. Yesterday we were driving to camp to visit my youngest son and I was uh, teaching my wife and son from the scriptures. I said, please open your Bibles to John chapter 5. You better not be texting anybody back there, because your father's about to teach you. But I really was doing it because I wanted to interact with them to see if they could give me any stuff for my preaching. And they did. Do you know, you just meditate on the scriptures with someone else. That's why you go to home group. That's why you go to Sunday school. That's why you talk to others. That's why you need church. That's why you need people. Because they can point out something to you that you never saw before. And I've taught on this John chapter 5 probably, well, maybe five or ten times in different ways. But I never saw this before. And Alicia revealed it to me. Shoot. But I didn't pretend like I knew already. Because sometimes if she tells me something, like, oh, I saw that. Yeah, I, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I got that revelation a long time ago. It's nothing new. <laughs> really, son, is that what you see? Yeah, okay. But anyway, she said, 
whatever disease. In other words, it doesn't matter. Whatever. So there's nothing that he can't heal. He can heal whatever. And in this instance, they were healed of whatever. So there's nothing you're going through that doesn't fall under whatever. But it was for whoever got in first. That was a little restrictive, wouldn't you say? There's one pool. There's multitudes of people waiting for this water that only stirs once in a while. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the alarm that goes off when that water starts stirring? Kids probably, like, threw a rocket. Hey. <laughs> it's stirring everybody in the pool. You th think about that for, really think about it for a second. The first one in gets healed. Now, first of all, you know what that tells you? Some of these people had great faith because they believed this. Now, you know, do you realize that there are people that don't know God but have great faith? They get healed because they believe it. The power of thought's amazing. I mean, people run across coals and they think they can and they do. And then some of them that's faith is a little weak, they get burned, I was reading recently. It's amazing what faith can do. I mean, we got, some of us didn't know the Lord and we married somebody. That takes a huge amount of faith. Yeah. <laughs> what you got? Oh, Lord Jesus. Whoever got in first. So there was people that couldn't see. There were people that lame in different areas of body. There were people that were paralyzed. I'm thinking to myself, now this man, it says he had an infirmity. It doesn't say exactly what it was, but it seems like it had something to do with being able to move. Let me ask you a question. Close your eyes for a second, and, and you're, you're blind now, okay? Physically. So just experience what it is to be blind. First of all, a blind person can hear better than anybody. Amen? So a blind person can either hear someone saying, hey. Because first of all, when the water first starts stirring, it's not going to be like, hey, the water's stirring. If you see it stirring, you're going to tiptoe over there, hope nobody sees hey, you're in the water. So a blind person would be one of the first people to know that the water's stirring. Who would it be easier to get in the water? If you were blind or if you were crippled? First of all, if you're crippled and you get into the water second, what's going to happen to you? You're going to drown. And the only way that you're not going to drown is if some blind or other crippled person saves you. Think about that. This is real. Because you wonder, why wasn't this guy just at the edge of the pool, you know, waiting for the water, and he could just fall in? Because if he's second, he could die. And think about this, people that are in the house of grace, people that are in church. Many times, fear keeps us from diving in. Many times, fear keeps us when we hear from the Holy Spirit, and there's a time of prayer for coming up to be healed. Amen? Amen. I wish people in church went to the healing line as quick as people wanted to jump in that water. 
because that would say their faith was strong and they believed that this was the day. I remember a day being in a church in New York City, hearing a message and saying, when this thing's over and they have the altar call, I am going to beat everybody up there because this is my day, this is my time, I'm going to be first because the day's the day. And it was the day for me. It was. It was a certain time and a certain place and a certain word, and I was ready. And because of my faith, I was healed. And many times, people, because of their faith, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. This isn't one of those times. But they could be made well of whatever disease they had. Let's go to verse 5. Now, a certain man was there. What's his name? Certain? <laughs> no, he's a certain man. Why? Because this story isn't about the man. And the whole book of John, it says in chapter 19, that if all the miracles that Jesus did had been written down, there wouldn't be libraries in the world enough to hold the stories of everything that Jesus did. But this gospel was written that people would know that he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. That's what these signs and miracles are pointing to. There are other stories where someone's named, like Zacchaeus and everything, so the focus is there. The focus here is on Jesus. So a certain man was there who had an infirmity. How long? 38 years. Well, why do you got to tell us how many years? The only other time you see 38 years mentioned in the Bible is because when, Egypt, when Israel came out of Egypt, they sent the 12 spies into the land. See, when Israel came out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, all that, they were going to the Promised Land. Guess what? They were right there. They were right there where the promised land is. They sent 12 spies to spy out the land. This is where God had called them to. Ten of the spies came back and said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. These giants, we can't go in there. But two guys, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we can do this. They had strong faith. Now, when two people come back and say, we can do this, and ten people come back and say, we can't do this, <laughs> guess who they listened to? The 10. And God said, this generation will not enter the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb. So a journey that was right there, it says that they wandered for 38 more years. Here we have a man next to a pool where people are getting healed. And for 38 years, he can't get the promise. Same thing. That's why many people will say that this man represents Israel. Imagine being so close. I've seen people come to church for years, and their healing was right here. But they were stuck in their seat because they cared about what people thought. They were afraid of what might happen because they've seen people come up for prayer, and it looks like a lightning bolt hits them or something. Or Pastor Terrence is going to pray for them, you know, and... Just, they're just, stuff goes through their mind, you know? Afraid. I was there. My healing was right there. But I didn't. Go to the next scripture. See there, it said he hadn't been in that condition for a long time. Some of us are in the same condition for a long time. People are stuck 
and they don't even know it because they become comfortable to be in that place. People are in broken marriages, crummy marriages, and they stay there. Look, sometimes people are in abusive relationships and they don't leave. They're stuck. But here's the good news. Jesus saw him and he knew his situation. Do you know that Jesus sees you? He knows what's going on in your life. The, Jesus said, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without my father knowing it. He says, every hair on your head is numbered. Try counting the hairs on your head. The real ones, anyway. I, I can't even tell anymore. Women now, they wear these things on their head. Like, they'll come into church one week, and I'll be like, dang, that girl's hair grew so fast. Where can I get that drug? You know? And somebody will go to me, that's not real hair. I go, yes, it's real hair. Look, it's real hair. It's real to me. But imagine counting the hairs on your head. 100,000, 100,001, 100. God knows every, all the ladies are laughing. I'm checking your hair now. But think about that for a second. Well, maybe there's some men here that don't have this. Mm. You can tell with men, they just lose their hair. It goes away. Not me. <laughs> Jesus' name, stay. <laughs> Jesus saw him and he knew him. Do you know that God saw you before you were even in your mother's womb? Do you know he had a plan for you? In Jeremiah it says he knew you before. He knew you when you were a twinkle in your mother's eye. And he knit you together. Mm, in her womb. Amen. Gosh. So he knew this man. He saw this man. And he, and he knew that he was there for a long time in this situation. And then he asked this question. So, so yesterday we're driving back from the camp and I'm teaching my family the word of God with theological prudence. And we get to that point and I say, Joey, read this scripture. And he does. And then he ends it with, do you want to be made well? And I said, so what do you think about that question? And my son goes, that's a stupid question. I said, you calling Jesus stupid? Because you better get out of my car right now, boy. You calling Jesus stupid when I'm driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour. Let me pull over the shoulder. You get out, you call him stupid all you want. Don't be calling Jesus stupid with me. But he said to me, Dad, he said, the disciples must have been like, Jesus, Really? You're asking him, does he want to be made well? He's in the pool. He's waiting for the water. I mean, come on. I mean, they're in church. I mean, they're going to Sunday school. I mean, they're sitting there pretending like they're listening to Pastor Joe. I mean, they're here. Why would you ask them something silly like that? You know why? Because it's a really good question. I remember the movie Shawshank Redemption. Why do I remember? Because we probably watch it every other day. It's on TV every five seconds. Great movie. Not as good as Independence Day, but it's a darn good movie. Actually, I haven't seen Independence Day yet, but I'm sure it's a blockbuster. Do you get more money than more people buy tickets? Oh, shoot. Okay. So I'll wait for it to come out on TVT. I'm just kidding. And so he asks, do you want to be made well? So here in the movie Shawshank, this guy Brooks, was he was... He was in jail. He was an old guy. He was there for like 50 years. 
And there was a big commotion in the jail. They went downstairs, and this guy, Brooks, had a, he had a knife to another inmate's throat. And they're like, what's the matter with you? You're getting out today. We got a cake. We want to celebrate. He wanted to kill the other guy so he'd stay in jail. There are people who are comfortable in their insanity. There are people that are in prison, and Jesus has opened the door, and they stay. There are beggars that don't want to get better. I remember we had a ministry to the homeless. We looked in New Brunswick for homeless people, couldn't find them, looked in Franklin Township, looked in Burt Amboy. Oh, I just broke 10,000. Thank you, Jesus. It, it, it goes, bzzz, it lights off fireworks. It's awesome. You don't know what a Fitbit, you don't know. Okay. So we went to New York City. We found one of those, you know, cardboard little cities. Went in there with food, clothes, everything. Here, here. Nah, we don't need it. You got any money? And another person from another ministry was there and says, they don't want your food, they don't want your clothes, they want money so they can buy more drugs. They're happy in their homelessness. I'm not saying all homeless people are like that, but predominantly, most of them are, I mean, you'll see people that are even successful that are homeless. Somebody say Amen. Because they get comfortable in their dysfunction. They get comfortable, and then some of us, we get com comfortable in, in dysfunctional relationships. Or we get comfortable in dysfunctional thoughts. Or we get comfortable in dysfunctional jobs, careers. Do you want to be made well, he said to him. Do you want to be healed today? Are you willing to do anything it takes to be healed today? You really got to ask yourself that question. Because everybody here, there was a time when the Holy Spirit asked you to do something and you didn't do it. How do I know that? Because it happens to me all the time. Do you really want to be made well? Do you really want a husband? Do you really want a wife? Some people are like, yeah, 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 I do. But somewhere they're like, I'm staying single. <laughs> people are praying for a husband and then he comes and they're like, no, give me another one. Some people are praying for a wife, and they're like, no. Nah. You know, they could be right under your nose, and you don't even know it. Now, for me, I knew it right away. It's just like, <laughs> the question is, did she? No. Let's go to verse 7. Can't blame her or her family. So the sick man had an answer. But his answer wasn't yes. Do you want to be made yet? well? He didn't say no. He didn't say yes. Do you want to be made well? Well, I have nobody to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. So his focus is on the pool, and that's where the healing is. He doesn't know who's talking to him. Jesus just came up and said, do you want to be made well? Well, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. How many times do we blame people for our situation? If my father hadn't left when I was a kid, if I had gotten that job, my stupid boss would have seen that I'm the one. If I would have married that girl, married that guy now, I wish I would have married that girl. Or, you know what, I should have married that girl before I met my wife. I've never thought that. <laughs> Ever. But you'll talk to guys and they'll talk about the one that got away. And I'll be, I'll be like, it's good she got away because look what you have now. <laughs> Let's go to next round two now. 
Somebody's ringing the bell up here. Time to move. Do you, I have no man. I have nobody. I, well, do you have friends? Do you have people in your life? Listen, it's not just to come into church and slither out. You need Christians in your life, somebody you can call, somebody that can encourage you, somebody that's on your side, somebody that'll support you when you're down. Listen, people don't come to church because of the great preaching. Well, maybe. In certain cases, they do. But they don't. <laughs> well, all of you do. But they don't stay. They don't stay because of that. They don't stay because of the great worship. They don't stay because of the pretty girl in the third row that they think they want to marry. They don't stay for those reasons. They stay because they meet people and fellowship with people and have support from other people. Because when you are down and when you are out, you're going to need somebody. Dean Martin said it, everybody needs somebody sometime, or something like that. Anyway, he said, I have nobody to help me in the pool. You need people in your life. But while I'm about to go, somebody else steps down before me. So he's saying, listen, I don't have any help, and my timing's all off. My timing's all off. When it's time, somebody gets it before me. You know, you look around and you say, why do they have what I don't have? Or why did they get the promotion that I should have got? Or why didn't I buy the house the right time? Why didn't I get into the market at the right time? Why I didn't get the part that somebody else got? Why I didn't go to college? Or why, why did this guy get better grades than me? Why were they born into that family that I Listen, you don't get to choose your family. You think, I... I Anybody like me, I wouldn't have chose the family I got. But you know what? And, and through the last couple of weeks, we were, we were talking about our testimonies. And if you've read my book, you know that I had a tough time. And I'm sure many of you had a worse time. So I am, I'll never play the game who's got it worse. Because somebody has always got it worse than you. But as we were sitting with my mom and going through all the stuff, and I was thinking about all the pain and all the dysfunction and all the being kidnapped, and name change, and going to Rikers, and all this other stuff. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, because I, I got kidnapped, and I was going to be given custody, was going to be given to my father, and I was going to grow up with my father, you know. And I, who knows, would I have finished school then and actually been a normal person? I don't know. But I said to my wife, I said, honey, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> because... My life is right here and it's right now. I can't change my family. I can't change my past. But I can put one foot in front of the other with the grace of God in my life. And I can do great things. And I continue to do great things because of him and his power in my life. So it doesn't matter the timing or how young you are or how old you are. Amen? Those people that you led to Jesus, how old were they? In their 20s? 20 years, they didn't know the Lord. A bus came from Washington. Their lives were changed forever. They didn't know when they woke up yesterday morning that they would go to sleep Christians with the blessing of God on their life. They didn't know it in the morning. He said, another one gets it before me. Let's go to verse 8. Because I'm going to tell you right now. It doesn't matter what people say. 
It doesn't want to matter what people do. It matters what he says and what he did. I said it matters what he says and what he did. He died on the cross for your sins so you can have grace in your life, to, grace that's sufficient for any circumstance that you have. There is no thing that doesn't fall under whatever. Jesus said, see, once Jesus talks, everything changes. Once his voice is heard, all bets are off. I remember when he was going to heal Jairus' son and the woman with the issue of blood stopped him. He stopped to have her healed. Jairus is like, oh, no. He stopped. He was coming to heal my daughter. What's going on here? Jesus turned to him and said, only believe. Once he talks, everything stops. When Jesus is at a funeral, it ends up a party. Either way. So Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. As we close this service up, I, God, people, I, I am so overwhelmed by this right now. I, wait a minute. Do you want to be healed? No, I want to make excuses. Okay, wait a second. There's a multitude of sick people. Can you see it right now? There's a multitude of sick people. Here comes Jesus. Excuse me. Uh, could you get out of the way? Uh, I, I, you can't see me. You're blind. All right, I got it. I, I, I'm getting. I'm going to somebody. A certain person who has done nothing to deserve it. Who hasn't cried out to God? Who has a little bit of faith in a in a in a whirlpool? And who has nothing but excuses for someone that says, "Do you want to be healed?" I, I just and he just called them sir. He didn't know he was who he was. It's just some Jewish dude walking through the crowd. But Jesus moved this one aside and this one aside. You know, when I see my life and the life of many people here got saved, I feel like we were at the bottom of the pickle jar. God took the top of the pickle jar off and he moved some pickles aside to get something from the really from the bottom where the seeds are. Anybody? Like he, I'm no sour pickle. I'm a sweet pickle. I'm a kosher pickle. Thank you, Pastor. I'm a kosher dill pickle. I'm not, I hate, oh God, nasty, the nasty, God moved to get. Many of you, he just went to you. I remember being in a little church in New Brunswick. Now first, I don't know the exact time I got saved, we're still trying to figure out if I'm saved, but I figure I'm a pastor, I must know Jesus. But, um, it was 2 o'clock in the morning on a four-day binge when I, when you've heard my story a hundred times, now it's 101, or it's a thousand times, it's a thousand and one, but in the middle of the night, I picked up a Bible, I read it, it's a Bible my brother gave me, the words opened my eyes, and then <laughs> I went to see my future fiance, and she said, you're going to church, and you know, you're so guilty, you haven't been around for four days, you've been doing drugs, and here's this woman you potentially going to marry, and she says, you're going to church. Guess where you're going? Church. So you go to sleep right now. 
I'm watching you. <laughs> you go to sleep, you get up. And then we went to this church on Livingston Avenue, New Brunswick, a little church. The preacher had to be 70. He had white hair. He preached this message, preached the message about grace, whatever. I don't remember the exact message, but I know that when he said, bow your head, close your eyes, I had my eye up like this. Why, what's going to happen next? I've never been in church. I don't know what's going on. And then he says, he starts preaching this message about salvation, about God's grace, and no matter what you've done and everything. And I felt like he came from up there and went into one of the rows and looked me straight in the face. Like it was just me and him. I was like, oh, am I hallucinating right now? Is this the drugs? What's going on here? Did Alicia put him up to this? What the heck's going on here right now? Have you ever been in church and you felt like they were just talking to you? It was like a spotlight on you. There's a light on you. Somebody feels like that right now. I hope you're burning in that seat right now. I hope you feel like, oh, he's talking about me again. Who told them? See, now we have four or 500 people in the church. It used to be when there was 20, 30 people, people were like, how'd you know? I go, I didn't know nothing, man. Leave me alone. She didn't tell me nothing. I didn't hear her talking on the phone. Like, people will come up, how'd you know that? I don't know nothing. I don't want to know nothing. <laughs> TMI. But that guy, it was like he was just talking to me. And that's what this guy, Jesus moved. And he went, and he went to a person who didn't deserve it, who didn't do anything to, anything to get it. He just got it. And Jesus didn't say, well, you have to say six prayers, and you have to come to church on Sunday. He said, rise. Take up your bed and walk. I can't take it, people. This guy that complains doesn't even answer Jesus' questions. He says, get up and walk. It is beyond thought of what's happening here. Take up your bed and walk. Do what you've never been able to do for 38 years. And immediately, strength came to his body. And he took up the mat that he was laying on, put it on his shoulder, and walked away. Is that grace? Not your faith has made you well. No obedience of anything. Can't even answer a direct question. But get up and walk. And he just walked away. Later on, Jesus explains who he is to the guy. He still didn't even know who Jesus was. They were like, who? The, the, the religious people were like, who healed you? He goes, I know some guy. Some guy told me to get up and walk, and I did. He said, he gave me back my strength and said, get up and walk. And notice, the thing that he had been laying on, his crutch, his mat, he got up and he took that. The things that were carrying him, he was carrying now. The low self-esteem, the coulda, shoulda, woulda, the people don't help me, all that stuff, he was carrying now and walking away. And then he met Jesus later, and Jesus said to him this. He said, go and sin no more. 
Do you know if you've received the grace of God, you don't have to sin? I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm the righteousness of God saved by grace. I actually have the ability, and you have the ability, listen to me carefully, you have the ability not to sin. You have the ability to choose what's right. Does the Holy Spirit live in you after you put your faith in Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit perfect? So perfection is in you. Now you war against what your flesh wants to do. But if you become more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit as we sing and we sing and we sing, you can actually choose life. You can actually choose to listen to the voice of God and do what he says. Amen? Amen. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how grace wins. I want to make sure as I invite our worship team up here right now. People are getting saved here every week. And that will continue to happen because the water stirs and whoever gets in can be healed of whatever. It happens by praying. Let me ask you a question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd spend eternity in heaven? 100% sure? If not, say this prayer. Acknowledge this prayer. Acknowledge God. He said, acknowledge me before men and I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. See, prayer, you have to understand, when, when I speak words, do you see them? No, but you hear them. How do we know words are powerful? Because words have changed history. How do we know words are powerful? Because sometimes you want to take them back. So when you pray God's word, Jesus said, my words are spirit, and they are life. Hmm. So when you say a prayer of salvation, there is spirit in it and there is life in it. It's called the Holy Spirit and eternal life. So if everyone would just bow their heads with me, close their eyes for a moment, say this prayer. And if you have never said this prayer before and you want to say it today and mean it, your life can be changed forever. And it doesn't matter who you are, or what you've done, or where you come from, or what race, color, or creed you are. It doesn't matter. We're talking about Jesus, and he has chosen you. And he will push others aside to get directly to you. So say this prayer with me today. Say, Father, yes, I have sinned. I've made mistakes, but your son Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He shed his blood that I might be set free from sin. Then you raised him from the dead, and that power can raise me to a new life today. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me brand new. I pray this in Jesus' name.